You, you are now listening to the 90s Hip Hop Junkie Podcast. Internet wish poppin', man. It's the kid J. Littles, and you tuned in to the 90s Hip Hop Junkie Podcast with my co host Rich Vega and Big Jeff, man. Shout out to everybody tuning in. Wow. What a fucking day. Let me start with that. Um, shout out to everybody that's been supporting the movement. This is our first official episode. I know it's a little late on the podcast wave, but, you know, how was 90s Hip Hop Junkie not going to finally put one together? Exactly. So, you know, we finally no here. For the people, I want to thank uh, Rich. Thank you for putting a battery in the backpack. And, Literally. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So let me tell you a quick little story. Right? It's our first episode. We finally set up. First thing that happens is what? Uh, no SD card. No SD Missing card. SD card. No SD card, right? But shout out the uh, first shout out to our sponsors, Boat Print Shop and Union City, New Jersey, because this beautiful location has everything available. So we went right up the block and got an SD card. Then what happens? Go ahead, Rich. What happened after uh, that? Then next, we're about to rock. We need uh, batteries so for we, the Zoom, right? So the 7-Eleven is right down the block. So I go to the 7-Eleven. I tell the Indian guy, no, no disrespect to my Indian people, but I'm like, yo, bro, I need double-A batteries. Of course, he gives me triple-A batteries. So whatever, we fixed that problem. And then I forgot my socks on my Dominican shit. So I went right up the block and got another pair got of socks. Pair so of we socks. let. All right, so, so we, we set. We, we all set. Building. So we here. We ready <laughs> right. to rock and roll, Jeff. What's going on, baby? Man, I'm blessed, man. Thank you for putting me on with this. And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to building with you brothers. So a lot of people don't really know, right? So why why we took so long is because I needed the right the right people to make this shit happen, right? And um. From 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 my point of view, I, I look at you like the encyclopedia of hip hop. You know what I'm saying? One of the true historians, one of the true figures, one of the most lovable and uh, respectable people that I've met in the industry on my ground with the movement. So I'm, it's an honor to have you rocking with us, and I'm just happy to you know put the right team together, man. You absolutely, feel me? absolutely. You know, you have to have pancakes, syrup, and butter. So that's what we got right here. And milk. And milk. Even though I'm about to go vegan tomorrow. Word. <laughs> so, yo, peep this. Um, Jeff, tell the people a little bit about yourself for the people that I don't really know. All right. So, <clears throat> for those who don't know, uh, my name is Big Jeff. Um, how I got down with the music industry was in the 90s, but I've been listening to hip-hop since the beginning. You know, when I was 10 years old, I went and took my mom down to the Wiz to buy Curtis Blow. So, you know, the breaks, I'm official. But anyway... Uh, back in 94, I joined Universal Zulu Nation um, and uh, started meeting people, networking, and going to a lot of events. Um, I've been going to hip-hop shows since 87 with Run DMC and uh, you know EPMD and Public Enemy and people like that. But I really started getting involved behind the scenes with the music industry. We opened up a little office on 23rd and uh, Park Avenue. And uh, like I said, I started networking and basically just talking to artists and letting them know about events that's going on. And, um, you know, I just started building relationships with people. And then from that, I decided to start doing events. And since 2008, I've been hosting uh, Toka Tuesdays with Tony Touch. And we brought like every DJ to, um, you know, hip hop down to, uh, from Sutra to Bar 13 and a few other spots. and. You know, it's just been a blessing. I've been, like I said, more behind the scenes than in front of the camera. But, you know, I've, I've managed artists. I've hosted parties. I've thrown parties. Um, and, uh, you know, just building relationships. So, Just like Jeff, um, I'm kind of a behind the scenes uh, person myself. 
came up as a producer, uh, started working at La Mega, right, powerhouse radio station, you know, New York City, and uh, worked there for about 16 years. You know, I put my work in as a producer, uh, did a little promo work, and even became programmer. So, um, and in my days of programming, you know, where the hip-hop comes into play is that I always had my knack to try to instill my hip-hop influence. And, and this dates back to working with early days Daddy Yankee and Don Omar, you know, and Don Chasina. You know, and just uh, recognizing that there was a merge, you know, with this hip-hop thing, you know what I'm saying? You saw it back in the days with um, Rock La Familia, you know, and there was a lot of different things that I had a hand in, you know, especially, like I said, on the behind tip, you know, doing uh, promo work, you know, and just being an influence at the radio station, La Mega. And then also to boot, uh, my father is an iconic radio uh, personality named Polito Vega. Yeah, so, um, I mean, if you don't know Polito Vega in the tri-state, in the world, this, this guy is like Hall of Fame radio guy, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, I always tell the story, I, I grew up with this uh, radio, this radio thing in my veins, you know, I recall waking up, you know, eight years old in my living room, waking up to, to trumpets and drums and Hector Lavoe and Willie Colon are sleeping on my, on my floor, you know what I'm saying? Because Polito used to fly them in and, you know, so they didn't have to pay hotel, you know, he'd have them, you know, stay over his crib, and then he'd run them all over town. You know, you're talking about booking DJs. My pops was big into that. You know, I like to call my pops like a, like a Bobito Garcia of his era, you know, being, being the guy to, like, put on Ruben Blades, being the guy to play the first Gran Combo record in New York. You know, so um, Polito was a big guy, and if any artist that came through New York City you had to see Polito. And this is regardless of your hip-hop, reggaeton, salsa, bachata, you know. So, um, you know, big ups to Polito. I, I call him the godfather of radio, you know. And, um, and I want to thank you guys. I want to thank uh, Zulu. I feel like we're going to gain a, a boatload of knowledge, you know, having, having a, br a brain like yours in the house, you know what I'm saying, along with Jay Dot, you know what I'm saying? So um, I'm just looking forward to it. We're we at the new uh, 90s Junkie Hip Hop Podcast location, and I'm just excited. Brother. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, one of the, more, uh, one of the main things we're trying to focus on is education. Yes, um, sir. To, like, distinguish ourselves from all the other podcasts. So I was like, I got to have the historians in the building, yeah, you know. Um, yeah. I'm a little younger, you know what I'm saying, um, 35. I know I still look 25, but... Yeah. You know, uh, so I had to bring in the OGs, man, and really drop the gems. You know, I couldn't yeah. do it without y'all. Shout out to my man, One Guy Beats. We got Brownsville in the building. Yes. I'm an official Brownsville, you know, affiliate, so y'all already right. know. But I'm a Jersey boy, born and raised pretty much Colombian. I was born in Colombia, came out here, fell in love with hip-hop. Um, and then now 90s hip-hop junkies, the movement. Yes, um, Rich, let me ask you a question, right? Yeah. Like, um, you know, coming from your father being such an influential and iconic figure in the right. Latin world, what was it about hip-hop that kind of, like, captivated your heart, so to say? Well, you me? Uh, let me see. My first, um, first run-in with hip-hop had to be when I used to go to yard sales with my mom, and um, she'd, go, she'd love to do yard sales, and I'd always uh, gravitate towards the vinyl. You know what I'm saying? So I'd see the Led Zeppelin records. I'd see the Black Sabbath. You know, I'd see um, Deep Purple and all these like albums that I'd go home to on my record player and I'm hearing breaks. I'm hearing beats. I'm hearing groove. I'm hearing like, like flow. You know what I'm saying? And this is young. This is like eight years old. But then 
Run DMC drops, then Beastie Boys drop, then LL Cool J, Ice T, and and I start connecting the dots. I'm like, wait a minute, all this music I was I was listening to when I was younger, this is it, because they were pulling samples from it. So I started to see a correlation between, you know, an early evolution, which for me is early because, like I said, I started on the Run DMC, Dougie Fresh level. Of course, there's people that go another you know, era back, T. LaRock, Curtis Blow, as Zulu mentioned, you know, there's like a whole, there's like these different, you know, layers. But as I started to put the dots into it, I became a student, you know what I'm saying, from a young age. And um, I'll never forget, like, just listening early days to uh, Mr. Magic and uh, Molly and uh, just, just all these DJs. You had to search. You had to, you know, you had to really look for hip hop. Yeah, know? I want to touch on that, you know, and no disrespect to the young, but you know, for us, you know, growing up, hip hop was pure. I mean, literally, you could hear hip hop at three in the morning, three in the afternoon, whatever. You know, in the 80s, um, like Brother Rich said, you know, you only had a few DJs, you know, so I want to definitely salute, you know, the world famous Supreme team, Awesome Two from Jersey, Hackensack. Um, you know, you also had Mr. Magic, you had Red Alert, you had Molly Mall, Chuck Chill Out. Um, you had um, a couple other cats, but um, the thing is, is that the point that I'm trying to stress to people is that in the 80s, you know, you had literally three, five, maybe 10 hours of hip hop on the radio. The rest of the time, there was no hip hop. You might hear an occasional Sugar Hill Gang record right. during the day, but other than that, there was absolutely none. When I say none, I mean none. And then in 83, like Red Alert got on Kiss FM because Jazzy J didn't want to be a part of it you know, because he wasn't getting paid, to be honest with you. And Red Alert went on there and just, you know, really took it to another level. But, you know, Mr. Magic was on BLS at the same time with Marley Mall. So, you know, it was, the city was buzzing in the 80s. I was 13 years old and, you know, my friends and I, we used to get together on Sunday and talk about all the records that Red and Marley and a little bit about Chuck Chill Out played. And, you know, it was, it was, it was a different mentality. You know, like you really appreciated it because you didn't have it all day in your face, you know? So it's like a different mentality now in 2019 where you can hear it at seven o'clock in the morning on High 97 or Power 105 or, you know, other radio stations around the world. Like I said, literally Friday nights and Saturday nights on KISS FM and BLS from nine to 12, not even, you know, in the afternoons, that's when you can hear hip hop. And so I had a great appreciation for it. Not that I don't appreciate it now, but it's just, it's a different perspective. Yeah. Right, and let me let me piggyback on that. You you guys mentioned two names that stuck out to me. One, Red Alert, who's like one of my favorite DJs. He's a, he's probably in my top five. And then you mentioned Tila Rock. I met Tila Rock through you, I believe, yes. and I really didn't know how much of an influential figure and a pioneer he was. You know what I'm saying? A lot of people might not really know. Right. Can you touch on him a little bit? Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. Uh, I was on the phone, believe it or not, for an hour last week talking to Funkmaster Flex about a whole bunch of different things and. He kind of like put something in my in my mind. Tila Rock happens to be one of my best friends, but he put something in my mind that really, you know, I didn't think about. And uh, he's like, after Rapper's Delight, he said, uh, It's Yours by Tila Rock is the second most influential record of that era. And that came out in 83. You know, for me, I always thought the message was the, the second most. And also, you know, um, Planet Rock and a couple other records I thought were just as influential. But then when I started thinking about it, It's Yours really was 
you know, ahead of his time. If you listen to the lyrics and and everything in the beat, and it, you know, it influenced LL and a few other cats. And excuse me, the message was more social commentary. You know, talking about you know the, the you know the projects and you know your your living situation, but it's yours was lyrical. And so I kind of have to think that maybe Flex is onto something that maybe. You know, I have to reassess my opinion of, you know, it's yours, that it really was the second most influential record. And I also love the breaks. Like I said before, when but, I was 10 years old, I made my mom take me to the Wiz on Jamaica Avenue to buy the big ass yellow LP that Curtis Blow had the breaks. Like, because that record really influenced me. You know, one of the first hip hop records besides Rapper's Delight, obviously. So, you know, but, but I, you I put saying, that up there. You saying it's yours as in breaking into the lyrical, like more into the Well, and like, like I said, Flex said that for him, it's yours is the second most influential record from, I'm talking about the time period of 79 to 83. This is like right before Run DMC dropped. It's yours came out around the same time. And um, he's saying from that era, you know, it's yours is the second most influential after Rapper's Delight. I never viewed it as that. I thought it was in the top five. But now I got to think about it. I'm like, you know what? I got to give Flex credit. I think it is the second most influential record. What do you think? Um, what, what do you think is one of the most influential records for yourself, in your opinion? Uh, well, I wouldn't say influence, but I would say my two favorite songs ever are uh, "The Bridge Is Over" by KRS, which is my favorite artist, along with Rich, and um, "Eric B. Is President" by by Rakim. Eric B. and Rakim. Yeah. Right. Yeah, because usually they're, they're known like as the guys who like just took hip-hop to the next level with the delivery and the, yeah, the, and yeah, the new yeah, way yeah. approaching the rhyme yeah, schemes. Ra Rakim, you know, is, you know, for me, like the standard bearer in terms of cadence, in terms of flow, right? in terms of like putting words together, you know. Um, you know, KRS-One, you know, he, for me, like also cadence, like, you know, in... In certain songs like um, poetry and um, you know, still number one, like he actually changes his cadence and his flow a couple times, and that really wasn't done too much in hip hop. Nineties <laughs> hip hop. We do not pretend to have achieved perfection. Junkie. Activate. All right, you're listening to the 90s Hip Hop Junkie Podcast with Zulu Jeff, Rich Vega, and J. Doc Littles. So I want to circle back to today. We uh, we celebrate that today is Nipsey's um, birthday, you know. And with what happened, you know, a couple months back with the passing, just wanted to feel you guys out on how you feel about him, you know, and what his impact was, unfortunately, after you know, he's with us. Like, for me, the, the shit was more heartbreaking than anything right. um, in, in a couple of ways. But one of the main ways was, like, just going back to that that that, that topic of conversation where it's like people don't get their flowers while they're here. Yeah. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Because I'll be 100% real. Um, I wasn't as familiar with his music, you know, as the rest of the world or as they seem to be when he passed. Right. Because I feel like he passed away and then boom, you know, the whole gram was like all Nipsey and you know, it's all good and it's only right. But like for example, right, like for example, I had this female friend, right? And I never even knew she was a hip hop head. You feel right, me? Right. 
she, he passed away and now every post for the next fucking month yeah. is Nipsey. And it's right. like, it's cool, but like, let's be honest. You know what I'm saying? Let's keep it real. And I just feel like, you know, that was just kind of, uh, it's kind of like a rude awakening. Like, you know, we got to show a little bit more love, this, that, and the third. But, yeah. um, you know, it, it was tragic. But at the same time, it was a beautiful thing because when he did pass, all the beautiful messages and everything mm-hmm. that he stood for came to light and was really in your face. And that's something that is really, uh, is really powerful for the youth. You know yeah. what I'm saying? I mean, for me, I want to, you know, probably take a circle and come back. I find that anytime tragedy happens, then everybody's sad for the moment. In this case, like it was weeks that people were talking about Nipsey Hustle and everybody's a bandwagon fan, as you said. And um, me personally, um, my focus was on what he was trying to do. And I'm a conspiracy theorist. You know, I think it's more, it's deeper than just some old friend of his that got jealous and, and shot him. I, I, to me, I think like, you know, he was about empowerment. He was about the community. He was living in his neighborhood. He was, you know, building stores and, you know, right. he was actually supposed to meet the, uh, have a, a meeting with the police the next day. And, you know, I, I, to me, like, that's the tragic part. You know, his music will live forever. I mean, we've lost a million one icons, you know, from Jackie Wilson to Sam Cooke to, Otis Redding and then James Brown and everybody on so that his music will live on forever and just like Rich I'm not 100% a Nipsey Hussle authentic fan I know some of his music I actually seen him in the clubs and events a couple times over the years because he's been around since 2005 so he's not somebody that's just been in the industry for like a year or two so you know for me the tragic part is is that he leaves behind a wife he leaves behind children and um, you know he was trying to do something for his community and that's what we need to focus on is not the tragedy but what can we do as a hip hop community to you know these guys um, uh, Jay Little grew up in Jersey you grew up in the Bronx then came to Union City you know um, I grew up in the Bronx but was raised in Queens like what can we do for our community like in terms of it doesn't matter you know, if you're not living in the Bronx or Queens, like, what can we do? You know, I want to do an event where I grew up at. And I want to do something, you know, not just one event. I want to do stuff all over for children and for, you know, my friends that don't come out. I have a lot of friends that love hip hop but never come to events. And I, I like to do something where they can feel comfortable and it doesn't have to be on a Saturday night or a Friday night or a Tuesday night. You know, come through on a Saturday afternoon from, you know, one to five and just hear some good music and, you know, do stuff for the children. One thing, one thing that I really liked, though, um, was how, like, and it's sad because, you know, through tragedy, but it kind of brought a lot of unity. You know what I'm saying? So if you remember right after that, my son and a couple other people, they put together the gang walk and the unity walk. And that was a beautiful thing. I feel like in, in a situation like that, we got to remain more consistent yes. and not forget, you know, because quickly we forget. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, that's, so, that's the whole thing. Like, you know, T.I. Um, just unveiled. Uh, he has this trap museum that he's a part of and he unveiled artwork you know all this stuff is great but we have to continue we can't just do a one-time thing like jay little said we got to continue the legacy we got to continue to fight and you know the biggest issue for me even more than hip-hop is you know these these uh you know ar-15s and these assault rifles like every week now 
you're seeing 10, 15, 20, sometimes 50 people being slaughtered. It's not even like, you know, it's a gunfight on the street. It's just like someone just, you know, picking off people. Like, like and, and, you know, I'm not trying to get all political, but nothing's being done. Like, our government's not doing anything. Our senators, you know, nothing's being done. I'm not saying that people don't have the right to bear arms. You know, I'm not advocating everybody you know, don't have a gun. If you need a gun, if you feel like that's what you need, but we need to do something to make sure that, you know, people that own these guns are mentally stable, yeah, you know, facts. because there's nothing normal about waking up at seven o'clock in the morning, having a cup of coffee or whatever, drinking a glass of water, going for a jog, and then you just say, oh, you know what, I'm just going to go kill 50 people. That's just not normal behavior. And it's not something that just happens overnight. They, this is a process. So we need to be mindful that we need to do something you know, we need to talk to our governor, talk to our senators, congressmen, write letters, protest, and say, listen, we got to get a better system of checks and balances. It's too easy to go out and buy assault rifle. I'm not talking about a, a Glock or a 9mm or whatever. It's too easy to get an assault rifle. And what's, what's the purpose? Why do you really need an assault rifle for? You know, and it's too many, like, I'm tired of reading every day and every week, seeing people getting slaughtered, not just a, a one person getting murdered. I mean, murder is wrong, but, you know, when you're slaughtering 15, 20, 50 people, it's like, and nobody's doing anything. Everybody's like, oh, that's sad, but, you know, what's what what can be done? That's what I'm saying. I, I want to jump in with a little side note. I know I might take some heat for this shit. This shit might not sound right, but when you see a black or a Spanish motherfucker shooting up an event like that, or Walmart, or, you know what I'm never, saying? Never. never. Now, now, have it be a Spanish or a black motherfucker or something like that. What's gonna happen? Hip hop gonna take is they gonna take it off the radio. It's gonna be some whole next level shit going on, and it's just it's fucked up. Like they don't they ain't doing shit about this shit, man. Yeah, I mean in Brooklyn last week or two weeks ago there was a shooting. I think you know a few people got shot, but it was like you know it was like multiple gunmen. It wasn't one person. And you know basically like they shut down a lot of. But that was some hush shit, no? It yeah. was some hush shit. Yeah, I, I I didn't actually say too. I'm on the advisory board for Hip Hop Boulevard, which is celebrating oh, its fire. 46th anniversary. They shut down our event. We were supposed to have an event last Saturday, and they—I mean—we were allowed to do the award ceremony, but they—they they, well, let me say they didn't shut it down. They postponed it, so now we're going to do it in September. But the point of the matter is, is that a couple of idiots in Brooklyn have a gunfight, and it has immediate ramifications immediately. on what you know we're doing. Like, why is that? It's nothing's being done by our government or by our so-called president. You know, like what is going? What is, what can be done? to like, you know, take away this, you know, situation. It's like, it's not a one-time thing, it's a daily occurrence. So the point is like, we need to step up our game. And when I say we, I'm not talking about us four, I'm talking about everybody, you know, in hip hop, you know, start writing letters, start protesting, start, you know, getting something done because it's ridiculous. Like it used to be once every five years you hear of, you know, a, a mass slaughter of people. And now it's like every week or every other week, someone, is taking an assault rifle and just murdering 20, 30, 50 people. That's ridiculous. What is the thought process for you when we think about what my son tried to generate with a, a second potential self-destruction movement? Could you see that as a viable thing that can be done if you get the right heads to, to, to kind of organize it? Maybe even a KRS-1, but the right you know, heads to kind of get together and, and generate another, you You're know. You're speaking of some of the newer artists? Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. I'll, I'll go back to KRS just because I that feel like the first he was the first one to do it and you need, credible, you need a credible person to do it. 
But again, I have no opposition to bringing new artists in. I think a Black Thought would be great for it. But again, I'll go back. I think Chuck D would be great again. It just I just want to hear Zulu's take and, and yours, Jay, as well, before we switch gears. Definitely need Lil Uzi on a hook for that. Yeah. I mean, I think we could do a whole self-destruction track on this trap music with like the Percocet use and uh, all the, the lean stuff. But that, that would be another topic. But no, Jeff, go ahead. What you, what you think? Well, I'm glad that you mentioned it. Daddy-O and I, about 20 years ago, 15, 20 years ago, we talked about organizing another self-destruction too with you know, KRS and Chuck D and also the newer generation at the time. And so I think with everything that's going on, you know, not just in the black community or minority communities, but, you know, what's going on around the world with, like I said, every week now under this new president, uh, I'm not going to mention his name because I can't stand him, but uh, under the new president, now it seems like every other week there's people getting slaughtered. So I think that it's apropos, and I think that's something that I'm going to talk to KRS and Chuck D and Daddy-O about, like, you know, let's really... There was an attempt to do it, and you know, I didn't know my son was one of the people that spearheaded it. But you know, I don't. I'm not opposed to having you know the old school mixed with the new school. I think it's important. I think that that's something that's missing in hip hop today is the collaborations with you know different artists from different you know time periods. Absolutely, absolutely. Nineties hip hop junkie. One two, one two. This is the 90s Hip Hop Junkie podcast. Let's uh, switch gears. Jumping into this uh, so-called top 50 rappers list, which I didn't take serious. Who set that off? Who set that off? I think it was Ebro, who happens to be a buddy of mine as well. I think, I think. I don't think so. I think... Yeah, he cre- they came up with, with the version. What happened so is... So, was it wh- Complex? I think... Yeah, and they say it was a big clickbait situation. So whoever did initial, who whoever did it initially was trying to kind of harp on this clickbait era that we're in, you know, with hot takes that are just crazy, you know, and kind of try to propose this list. But there's no version of the list that I've seen yet that I'm in total agreement. And I know there's, it's one thing about opinions, but there's also foundation factors, you know? Super duper. So, But it is an opinionated matter, you know what I'm saying? Like, right. at the end of the day, like... I feel, I feel like I'm able to speak. And like I said, like you guys said, it's opinion-based, but if your list doesn't have at least three out of these five people I'm about to mention... I really have to, you know, ask you, you know, where, where did you where did you come up with your your list? And you know, it goes across the board. You know, if you don't have Muhammad Ali in your top five, if you don't have Michael Jordan in your top five, if you don't have um, Babe Ruth in your top five, you know, people are going to question like like, do you really understand the fundamentals of what you're watching? And in terms of listening, you know, if you don't have Rakim, KRS. Big Daddy Kane, Cool G Rap, or Nas, for me, those are not my top five MCs, but these are five of the greatest. Right. If you don't have them in your top 10 or top 20, you know, then to me, in my opinion, you really haven't done your homework in terms of, I understand those guys came out in the 80s and the 90s, and you might be 25 or 30 and be a huge hip-hop head, which is fine. I started listening to hip-hop when I was nine years old, so I don't take away from anybody 
you know, their age doesn't necessarily disqualify them from having a good opinion of hip hop. But the thing is that when I was nine, I was listening to Motown. I was listening to James Brown and Sam Cooke and Otis Redding and even the Beatles and Elvis, all that stuff. I, I listened to all that stuff. Not, I didn't love everything, but I listened to it. And so if you're going to call yourself a hip hop head, then you have to listen to music from the 70s and the 80s, regardless of whether you don't think it's cool or you don't like the cadence or the flow and everything like that. You still got to listen to it and examine the lyrics. And that's that's the reason why I can confidently say that in my humble opinion, if you don't, you don't have to have all five, but if you don't have any of those five that I mentioned, like I said, Rakim, KRS-One, Big Daddy Kane, Cool G Rap, or Nas in your top five, you or top suspect. ten, then, uh, some of them, then there's something. Yeah, it's an something. invalid list. It's an invalid, invalid list at that point. Nah, invalid. Oh, let, me, let me piggyback on that because you mentioned uh, Muhammad Ali, right? And obviously in that topic of discussion, you got Mike Tyson, which... Shout out to my man One Guy Beats for the you know for the reference, but um I think he had the most valid top fifty list Who out did? of all the shit that was going around on the internet. Mike Tyson. Okay. You know I got. I didn't his, see that I, one. And he's a huge, huge historian of boxing. So if Mike Tyson comes up with a list, I'm going to say that that list is 95 percent valid Facts. and authentic. I'm no, there's no hundred percent list. Like I said, you don't have to agree with me on all five of the people that I put, but that's the standard bearers. Like I said, Muhammad Ali for boxing, Sugar Ray Robinson for boxing, you know, you could throw in Floyd May Mayweather, Jack, Joe, Joe Lewis, Jack Johnson, Jay you know, Littles, you know, <laughs> you know, well, you know, Alexis Arguello, you know, Sugar Ray Leonard, Marvin Hagler, you know, you could have a variation, but if you don't have Muhammad Ali and Sugar Ray Robinson in your top 10, See a boxing I'm not episode. even listening See to a you. boxing episode. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. If you don't have Michael Jordan in your top 10 of all time greatest, I'm not listening not to you. I'm, I'm looking at you sideways. I'm a diehard yeah. Knicks fan. We ain't going to bring up those Mike memories, those Jordan memories. I can't stand Michael Jordan, but I, I got to give him to he's to me he's the man. He's, he's the man. to me he's the second greatest that's my opinion everybody says he's the greatest but in my opinion he's the second who's, who's you know, first you're going to get mad with me but I say LeBron James LeBron James it's it's, a, it's obviously debatable the man the man went to the finals 9 he years in a row it. with no talent around him Dwayne Wade is Jeff. a good player you know but other than Dwayne Wade he's had no support in terms of having you know people that are qualified to take you to that next level yeah. which is the finals I always felt that LeBron was a good coach away from being Jordan. Like LeBron never, to this day, the only thing that Jordan got over him is heart. Coach. Jordan got heart. Jordan was playing with like a hundred three fever and still dropped forty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and he never lost the finals. And let's face it, Jordan had a different swag though. Like just Jordan's walk. Like there's something unique about Jordan that when I look at LeBron, this swag, just the swag doesn't match. But just to be clear, for me... And that's just Jeff, that's a opinion. bold statement, LeBron. I'm about clear. to fire you and for coming from, from, old, from old school head, too. Coming from vet. I mean, I'm not saying LeBron don't have heart. I'm just saying he, um, Michael Jordan has more heart. LeBron's a better passer. He could play four positions. Um, you think he's over? And, and Jordan has a better, a better outside shot, too. So he's got those two things over LeBron. All right, all right. But LeBron takes the ball to the hole better. He's a better passer than Jordan. He's a better defender than Whoa. Jordan. You know, y'all gonna get mad at me, but that's my opinion. That's some controversial you know? conspiracy yeah, shit right exactly. here. But listen, and if you're really gonna get controversial, you know, they they have what's called the Jordan foul, which is you're in the area reaching. You know, like he would get like five yeah, yeah, yeah. reaching fouls. They got that for LeBron too, you know? though, bro. Come yeah. on, LeBron don't get yeah. away with murder. But LeBron gets mauled when he comes down the hole. The thing, and don't, yeah. by no means am I a LeBron fan. 
you know, I can't stand him complaining to the refs. I don't. No six foot nine man should ever flop, and I'm saying that yeah, right on the record. That is ridiculous. No flopping hold on, hold on. and no complaining. While we on this topic, all right, you went off the limb with yeah, the sorry, I went out the cool. Order. It's cool. I just, but I, I, I compared it to Rakim I, and all that. I always like to give my man one of my favorite players ever in, in the NBA is Robert Ory. That's my guy. That's my killer right there. Yeah, I mean he's got like seven rings though. You know it's how many? Like, you know how many game winning like super duper clutch shots he made? I think he's got what like a, a seven. I think he's got six or seven rings. I think he got more. Anyway, all right. So listen, back to this Mike Tyson list though. We popped it up. It's a pretty. It's a pretty like I think this is the most valid list. All right. So I'm, I'm gonna just run down Go some ahead. of the names from, from. Now is it in order? Because yeah, I'm also hearing is, don't look at these lists in terms of order. Well, this isn't I'm going to read it in order. I don't okay. know if, I don't know if Mike uh I don't know if Mike Tyson wrote it in order, you know what I'm saying? All right, I believe go ahead. so. Go ahead. But he got big number 1, Pac, Rakim, Nas, Hove, LL Cool J, which is one of my favorite MCs, Kane, KRS, Cube, DMX. Mm, so far so 10. so far so good. So That's, far so good. Mm, DMX, I love DMX. Cool G Rap, Eminem, Big Pun, Melly Mel, Big L. Andre 3000, three stacks, Scarface, Jada, Tretch, Prodigy, Meth, Slick, Rick, Lil Wayne, Lil Wayne. Lil Wayne doesn't make Lil, Lil Wayne, Wayne gets disqualified, I'm sorry. <laughs> Lil Wayne does Mike. not make, he was I'm good. I'm sorry is high. for you down south Mike cats. High, I love Andre 3000, I no, love no, Big Boy, no. I, I, I love the Goody Mob, I love Ludacris, but Lil Wayne gets disqualified, I'm sorry. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Right, we, keep it rocking, keep on, it rocking though. I'm, I'm, I'm going to limp, we're going to see mixtape Wheezy. That's a different Lil Wayne. Mixtape Wheezy's a different Wheezy. Yeah, but that's not enough of no, a catalog. I love catalog. Scarface, too. Scarface right. is one He's of my favorites. He's got Scarface in there, I think. No, he doesn't. All right, I'm not going to read the... Oh, he does got Scarface. I'm yeah, sorry. Scarface is in there. Um, Tretch is in there. Shout out to Tretch. That's the homie. I don't know Tretch. if I agree with that. I love Tretch, Tretch is man. dope. I just don't know if he has the, the library, the catalog. Yo, Tretch live right around the way. He gonna come here and beat I you know. up. That was bold. He lives in my father's building. I run into <laughs> Shout him out to my brother Tretch. I'll see, you at, I'll see you at your wedding in a couple weeks. Peace. So when I see him, I'll, I'll tell him, but. You know. Yeah. All right. So um, I'm not gonna read the rest of the list. Joe's in there. Fifty Snoo. Anyway, but one person that sticks out is the Queen, man. Queen Latifah, man. I love her, man. Shout out to her, man. Yeah. I mean, what is the criteria for this list? Uh, it's. I guess it's, it's, it's opinion, though. No. I know, but even going fifty is. I yeah, feel I'm like not, I'm not with Fifty being on the list. That one album, Get Rich or Die Trying, had about four or five incredible songs yeah. on it, but that's not his body of work. Does not put that's, him in the top fifty. But that's my point. Body of work has to play a factor in this, you know. So Fifty, going to your mixtape point, well, Fifty mixtape is something to look at. You know what? You just you made a really good point though. So I think maybe as '90s hip hop junkie, maybe as the movement and the platform we have. We should revisit this list, however, with certain criterias in mind. Right. You know what I'm saying? And then give the people, hey, you got to keep this in mind. How, how many years of longevity? Exactly. You know, classic singles, bodies of work, albums, features, exactly. whatever. You know, I think, you know, people need to look at that a lot more. I haven't found one list that had plug one or plug two. And that, that's alarming. De La Soul, like... Those, those are legitimate MCs. Yeah, all, all the cats from the native tongues, you know, especially like you said, De La, Busta Rhymes. Yeah. I saw know. Busta on a few. I yeah, did Busta catch, I did catch Busta on a few. They had the native Q-tip, tongues first. Five Dog. Yeah. Were you able to go to that? Nah, I, I was uh, at Amtrak and all the, the, all the trains were sold out. Oh, so you so were on your way to the. I was on my way. I waited until the last minute. The DMV. The event in the. It was in the DMV. Yeah, it was yeah, in the yeah, DMV. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to, I forgot Shorty's name, but she sent us an invite to pull up on some media stuff and just the schedule was weren't lining up. I couldn't make it, but shout out to whoever put that thing together and shot us the invite. All right, so I think so we let's should. Let's wrap um, this up. Yeah, let's wrap, wrap it, up. it up. Right? Yeah. How do you feel? I feel fucked. 
episode one in the books. Episode one, I feel super duper fucking good. So good, I dropped my phone and I plugged the headphone jack out of my headphones. But um, <laughs> I want to say thanks. Uh, thank you to Jeff. Uh, great, great uh, meeting you, making your acquaintance. I feel like you're a big component to what we're doing here, man. Both ton of knowledge. And uh, shout outs to Jay Dot, shout out to our producer, and to everybody just following the 90s hip hop junkie. I always referred to you, Jeff, as an OG, but I didn't realize how much of an OG yeah. you was yeah. until you hit me with the G's. <laughs> 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 yes, I'm, I'm 49, so I'm a little old, so I got a lot of old sayings and things like that. But yeah, real talk, I'm honored that Jay Little invited me, and you know, Rich got a plethora of knowledge and uh you know it's incredible you know the story that you know you started off with your dad and like you know to me like you know Hector Laveau and you know Willie Colon and Tito Nieves and Miles Pena like those guys are like the standard bearers of of salsa and you know Spanish music so for you to be you know, having them in front of you, like, like I'm not gonna front. I'm like, damn, I wish I could have been been at his house just like, <laughs> sleeping over. I would have loved to have met Hector Laveau. Real talk, you know. So, I'm looking forward to you know building with you and you know Jay Little's. That's my dude, man. I'm honored to be a part of it. Yeah. And shout outs to the cameraman. I forgot your name, brother, but thank you for filming this. One guy this and, beats. What's it? No, it's one guy beats. One guy beats. We gonna so. mic him up. We gonna mic him up for the next right. one. So, this is yeah. the first episode. I'm, I'm looking forward to you know episode two. Word up, man. So you already know, man. My name is J. Dot Littles. If you don't know, now you know, man. I'm one of the originators of 90s hip hop junkie, man. Word. I'm here for y'all. Salute. And I'm here because of y'all. And we ain't going nowhere, man. I got some historians with me, and we just going to take this shit to the next level. So stay tuned for episode two of the 90s hip hop junkie podcast, y'all. You heard? We signing out. Peace. One. Peace. <laughs>